struggled having takeaways six times a week, five times a week, and it was not a life that I was living. And I remember the day before I signed up to Slimming World, I went out with my friends, we went for a McDonald's breakfast, then we went out to lunch, and then I had a takeaway. And in my head, I was like, if this doesn't change now, I am literally going to die. The doctors had been telling me for months, you're going to die of a heart attack. And every time I'd go into the doctors, it wouldn't be about, you know, my weight. It would be about maybe I've got like a toe or something. And then the doctors would always turn around and go, don't you think it's a bit of time, like time you've lost a bit of weight. And it was always the concern of theirs. So I had to do something. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Simming Stories. I'm your host, Claire Odom West. Uh, I just want to start by saying a, a big thank you for all of you, your well wishes for my mum after listening to last week's episode. It was just a really tough week last week. And this morning I woke up to a photo that someone had sent me. She listens in Saudi Arabia, but I believe she's actually from Australia originally. I think I've got that right. Um, and she sent me a photo of a candle that she'd lit for my mum and, you know, that really filled me up and it was lovely, really sweet and just to say a big thank you for all of you, your well wishes and just everyone's support. And I really focused on my energy this week and I've had to have some really, like, difficult conversations around social services and care packages and anybody that's been through that process with elderly parents will totally understand what I mean when I say that I've had to have difficult conversations but you know that was last week and I feel like I've I guess gained momentum as the week's gone along and yeah we've got a new week ahead and I'm really just focusing on that and when I started to to edit this week's podcast with Anna I often forget like the golden nuggets that come out of the conversations I have with the guests and this episode is really just packed full full of inspiration and Hannah is a brilliant storyteller and she really doesn't hold back. And for some, this might be a little bit triggering this episode. Uh, we talk about Hannah having had suicidal thoughts in the past and depression and also body dysmorphia. So if this is something that maybe you feel that you're feeling a bit delicate, you're not quite in the place to listen to this, it's just a little bit of a heads up for anybody that might be in that place just to obviously not continue listening to this episode and maybe leave it for another time. And what I do want to say is, you know, by Anna and other guests turning up on the show, being really honest and open, sharing all of the, the weight loss journey and all of the story and all, all of the, you know, the nuts and bolts that go along with that. It's really, a, you know, a brave thing to do. And it really does help my podcast be a success because this is what... I always wanted it to be, you know, when I first started thinking about doing the podcast, I just wanted to hear that honest story. And I know that by guest sharing the the mindset shift, that this podcast episode really helped, you know, someone, whether you listen to this maybe now, this week, or in three to six months time as a, a new podcast subscriber, I know that the real weight loss and fitness stories of my guests will really help you just to focus on your goals for the week. So this is part one of Hannah's episode. So we did talk for quite a while and I've split the, the interview into two parts. So here's introducing Anna to part one of a Slimming Story. Enjoy. I'm really interested in the thought process of it being Easter and thinking you're going to strip off and hold your Easter eggs across your bosoms and post it on Instagram. That is such a confident act to do. I'm really inspired. <laughs> Yeah, so basically, in the world that we live in at the moment, there is so much negativity about bodies, 
and um, we have to look a certain way and uh, we have to like look like models all the time but unfortunately men and women come in all different shapes and sizes and there was so many people over Easter oh my god I shouldn't have had that oh my god I shouldn't have had all those birthday cakes Easter eggs and everything else that's been going over Easter and at the end of the day your friends and family are not going to love you any less because you put weight on over Easter it's one celebration throughout the year and I just thought, right, how can I tell people that I'm comfortable with my body? I ate my weight in Easter eggs and treats and everything like that because it's one day a year and you shouldn't stop having fun. So I just literally thought, right, get the Easter eggs out, put them against food, self-love Sunday as well, show everybody that, you know, losing weight it is hard. It's very hard. And obviously then accepting the new person that you've become with lots of skin. So a lot of people say to me, I'm really big. I'm really worried about losing the skin, like getting the loose skin. Well, don't worry about it because you've come a massive journey and you are much healthier than you are back whenever you started. Yeah, there's that health part of a weight loss journey that I feel sometimes hidden. I think often like a, a visual motive to take steps to lose weight and then that, that health part of it kind of comes in I guess comes along in the journey when you realize actually you know your knees aren't creaking and you know your back's not aching all, all of those things that come with it so for anybody that doesn't know about you Hannah yeah if you just want to start by explaining how much you've lost today I started back in 2018 so I started in August, in August 2018 I was 25 stone 12 pounds but I was so embarrassed to know what I weighed I didn't know what I weighed for a very long time I blind weighed so I just knew how much I was losing and to date I have lost 13 stone wow 13 <laughs> stone that that is such such an achievement and I'm so pleased that this was for you too because you know I'm I'm sat here looking at you smiling you, you, you're so confident I just know that means the world to you and I've seen a lot of your posts and I know that's not always been the case and I'm sure there's people listening to this episode that just want that that bit of motivation you know as, as we're sat here today as we're sat here today on the 13th of April we're now getting our lives back on track and I know that you know I've seen a lot of posts a lot of my guests have been on to say you know that they've struggled in lockdown these people have had these big weight losses they've struggled too where to even start you know it's a, it's a great amount to lose but where do you even start when you've struggled in the past with with negative feelings and, and depression I know that that's been your story so if you just want to explain your story from the beginning and we'll we'll see what what golden nuggets we've got in there yeah that's fine so I've always been big for a very long time as like, I am now the lightest I've ever been my adult life so when going through college and then working as an entertainment rep for you know like four years I, you know, was a big girl and there was always that worry, am I going to fit in the costumes? Am I going to fit in the uniform? I was always the biggest girl um, on the teams and it didn't bother me and it didn't bother my teams. I did my job. I was able to do my job, but I was always the biggest, but I always had the confidence. So it was sort of like the confidence hiding behind the fat girl kind of thing. Mm. And um, I did that 
for you know four years being an entertainment rep and I loved it absolutely loved it yes I got the drives of oh look how big you are and you know my parents got worried you know they're constantly saying go on a diet Hannah go on a diet everybody was saying go on a diet so I just didn't want to go on a diet it's my life I'm going to live it I'm going to live it to the fullest then I got pregnant with Isabel and um which is my daughter and she was born in 2012 and when I was at 2012 I was about 22 stone so I was still I was still big and my pregnancy was at high risk because obviously I was as big as I was um, and then unfortunately um, like the relationship broke down there was like a really big trigger in the relationship and obviously I got depression and it was really really difficult and I Instead of getting, but I got the help that I needed. And um, like obviously they gave me tablets and I spoke about, you know, it took for a couple of weeks to somebody. But I, I remember waking up one day and I was just going to end it. I've had enough. I didn't want to be here anymore. And I know it's, you know, really hard sometimes for people to hear this and it is, you know, it's real life. But I didn't want to be, I wasn't a good mom. I was like massive basically and I didn't know how much I weighed because I didn't have scales in my house um and then I just kept eating and eating and eating so I ate my feelings and a lot of people do that because it's only natural and people who gamble will gamble their money away people who drink will like drink you know people who take drugs to take drugs that because that's their comfort that's their thing that makes them happy for a short amount of time and then I was it was the birthday party, my birthday party, of, I was 30, and everyone's like, your life begins at 30, and all this, and I was like, okay, and I had that picture of me dressed as a grandma, which is, like, one of the biggest photos that, you know, gets shared on my Instagram all the time, and it was then the click came, obviously, I was single, I wasn't with Isabel's dad, um, and in my head, I thought, if, if I die, She's going to have to go live with a dad. And bearing in mind, he's a great dad and stuff like that. But I don't want her growing up without a mum. Mm. You know, I, I want her to have me in her life. I want her to go, here I am at my graduation. Here I am at my wedding. Here I am at my 30th birthday. I would hate for her to go, I wish my mum was here. Mm. Because I, didn't, I want to be there for her. And then obviously, I didn't want to be, you know, alone forever and single forever. And I've just thought, who's going to want me at the size that I was? So I had to stop eating the birthday cakes every day. I would eat birthday cakes, like reduced birthday cakes every day, packs of donuts, twirls, Pringles, takeaways. I was having takeaways six times a week, five, six times a week. And it was not a life that I was living. No. I, I wasn't a life. And I remember the day before I signed up to Slimming World, I went out with my friends. We went for a McDonald's breakfast. And then we went out for lunch and then I had a takeaway. And in my head, I was like, if this doesn't change now, I am literally going to die. The doctors had been telling me for months, you're going to die of a heart attack. And every time I'd go into the doctors, it wouldn't be about, you know, my weight. It would be about maybe I've got like a poorly toe or something. And then the doctor would always turn around and go, don't you think it's a bit of time, like time you've lost a bit of weight. And it was always the concern of theirs. So mm-hmm. I had to do something. But like I said that everyone can tell you to lose weight your family your friends my best friend she once told me and said Hannah you really need to lose weight because I couldn't get up off the sofa 
I was struggling mm. to get up. I just sit back and said to her, Carla, I'd rather die happy and fat and sad and thin and miserable. I didn't want that. And I literally bit that. And I'm surprised she didn't smack me in the face to be quite honest with organization. Um, but it has to come from yourself. Everyone yeah. can tell you to do something. You have to be the one that goes, right, no, it's me now. I'm doing it for me. That click needs to switch on. And it's you that has to do it. You can give it, offer your help out to so many people and advice out to so many people, but it has to come from the individual themselves. It does. And I think that the visual tap on the shoulder seems to be the one that will allow people to take those steps. And you mentioned there that you wasn't a good mum. What in your eyes at that time made you feel that you couldn't step up to be a good mum? What did those feelings mean for you at that time? Yeah, so basically, when I was at my biggest, I couldn't play with her. I couldn't run after her. I couldn't get on the floor without the fear of getting up. And I was wetting myself walking from the toilet. Because my toilet was upstairs. No, the toilet was downstairs and my bedroom was upstairs. And I'd spend all my time in my bedroom because I couldn't do anything with her. I physically couldn't do the things that I see my friends with their children doing. I hated going for a walk. I hated it so much even go take it to the park yeah I hate because I didn't want to be walking I used to get a taxi from my house where I live and it was two minutes away to Morrison's and I'd get a taxi to Morrison's Mm. because I was that big because I couldn't walk the pressure on my feet and I suffered from plantar fasciitis which was a massive like strain on feet and if you know you don't always get it from being overweight you can get it from like repetitive like being on the feet all the time but that was mine because I, I struggled to walk anywhere and everywhere. And also, I didn't want her to get bullied. I was the biggest mum in the playground okay. at school. I, and I, now, and everybody looks back, you know, the, the mum was in the dad's in the playground, saying, can you imagine that's what you used to look like? And that's how, we, we can't remember you looking like that, but I was yeah. the biggest mum in the playground. And when you've written about, in your Instagram, about crumbling, under depression and all of those feelings coming up like you've just spoke about being the biggest mum in the playground and feeling that you're not a, a good mum what part of your life had actually given way at that point so basically it was everything that I've been through like with Isabel's dad my life my life has always been a happy life like my parents have always you know looked after as well we've had lovely holidays and stuff like that with what Isabel's dad did so basically infidelity that's what happened and in my heart I think he obviously didn't love me because I was so big I was so hideous I was so fat and he didn't want to be with me so they just go off with other people which is fine people do that and we're over it we're friends now it's fine but um like with that the feeling of being unwanted and it's still a massive thing now a massive deal now that I always feel oh nobody wants me it's not the case but because obviously that sort of just built up in my head that like I've been unwanted and then I just got it stuck in a rut where I wouldn't go out or see anybody and then I was just depressed all the time and I always used to say why me mm. why me and it is heartbreaking because obviously you've got a child involved if there wasn't a child involved it'd be easier I think it would be easier because there's no connection like when I used to drop her off with a dad and stuff like that I used to hate it because I didn't want to see him but now we get on which is good um yeah but obviously 
depression is a massive thing and it isn't just just like one thing but that was like my massive pinpoint I think where I was like nobody wants me nobody cares and then I got really unhappy with work with being in theatre with everything everything around me I've become this negative person yeah and it it wasn't nice obviously I ate my feelings for it no and it's interesting that you've, you've come from that career where your job is to like make people happy and interesting your Instagram handle is around being a, a funny mummy and and with all of those feelings of depression and having to put a face on I feel as well often to other people to family because although sometimes when we do feel dark inside we don't always want to let people know and, and putting on that mask so what did your mask look like on a daily basis at, at that point before you chose to lose the weight? So it was it was a happy happy face. It was all and I was always the happy fat girl. Always it was always that. It's Hannah Hannah's the jolly fat girl kind of thing. And I look back at videos. Um, there's a video of me doing a slow motion video of my double chins, and my friends are laughing because that's you know how I was, and I still am. But obviously back then I used to hide behind everything. It's so easy because I'm an actress as well. So easy to switch on and off. Yeah, it really, and you know how you feel, and it, you know, back then, I didn't tell everybody what had happened until a few like years down the line, because mm. I just couldn't. I don't want anybody to give me sympathy, no. and I don't know why. I don't know why I'm, I'm like that. I've just become this woman that I'm like. I don't need anybody to give me sympathy. So when I say to people, I just, don't give me sympathy. I'm not doing it for sympathy. <laughs> I just, I'm just doing it to get my emotions out kind of thing. So, yeah, I used to hide behind being the big one. And but in my head, and I've had lots of, like, therapies about body image and stuff like that, but when I was bigger, I didn't think I was as big as I was. No. So when I was at my biggest, like, I was a size 32, I used to think I was, like, size 10, 12. So that's where body dysmorphia come in. You know, and I, you know, I didn't think that I was big. I just genuinely didn't think. And my clothes said I was. Like my best friends are all the other beautiful, the stunning. They're all dancers. They're all performers because that's the industry we're all in. And their legs are up here, and they're, they're size eight, size sixes. And I used to think because I hang around with them, I look like them. And it's very strange, like to look back at that. Yeah. But then I'd be behind in a picture, even though I thought I looked like them. It's very interesting that the stories that, that go on underneath on, on the subconscious and maybe it was like a coping strategy just to, to, to get you through, get you through those times. And I've had a, a guest on that did have body dysmorphia, but was the, the other end. Um, but I've not had it the, the spectrum where you felt that you actually looked a lot smaller in a way that was quite a, yeah, it's quite an interesting way to be when actually feeling that and thinking that was putting your health at risk so when you went to the GP for a blocked nose or a sore arm whatever the thing was and then you was having okay Hannah I think we need to lose some weight okay Hannah did you just say look I'm not I'm not big what kind of conversations did the GP pick up when you went for the the consultation did the GP pick up anything around body dysmorphia or have you self-diagnosed that no so basically they they didn't at my biggest when I was at my biggest they didn't diagnose it at all because obviously I was going through other things. It wasn't until I went for therapy, CBT therapy, and they tried to link it 
to an eating disorder, which they, they did in the end, which was binge eating. And then they was like, you have got a slight bit of body dysmorphia because even now I've lost weight, I still think I'm big. And it, it is like a vicious cycle. So they, they put it as body dysmorphia, like really low end and self-esteem and sort of a binge eating disorder. But yeah, so when I was at my biggest, I used to go into the doctors, they used to say, lose weight. And I'd say, I'll do it another day or like, I'd shrug it off. Yeah. I just didn't care. just didn't care what people thought of me. And it wasn't until obviously I started having these therapies and like CBT and stuff like that, like when I started to be able to realise what I used to do in the past to sort of like now what I do to myself now, which is a lot better than it, what it was during first lockdown last year. Um, whereas, because I, I used to look in the mirror and even though by lockdown last year, I'd lost 10 stones, when I looked in the mirror, I still think I'm big. Mm, and yeah. it was so it went the other way it flipped the other way and that's where the, that's when the doctor was like right, let's get you some CBT because we don't want you to be having these thoughts when you've done so well absolutely absolutely and I think that there's a good GP to recognize that and the behaviors around why we what we why we choose to make those choices is it's very complex it's very complex but the fact is that you know you got the help you got the help at a great time for you and this has had such such an impact that you can literally just show up as yourself on social media it's not an easy thing to do believe you me but but you do it and you, you know you had your 30th birthday you'd had all the cake that you could eat by the sounds of things and you saw that photo so you've spoken about the clicking you've spoken out people need to have that moment so if you just want to talk us through the steps after your click came so basically that picture came the day after my 30th birthday so it was the day after everybody put all the pictures on social media and I was looking at them all obviously laughing because it was a good time we did all have a good time and I sat there and I thought to myself I wonder what you're thinking in that photo and I thought I bet you're thinking I bet you wish you were like them because I sat on that sofa outside in the garden most of the night because I couldn't move I couldn't get up and dance with them or have a party like they did and my sister had lost like seven stone six stone seven stone after having my nephew on Slimming World and she was like why don't you come with us and my friend was there as well Kirsty I was like even though I really didn't want to really didn't want to but I knew I had to. I knew I had to. And people don't believe me when I say this, but when I walked through the doors of Slimming World, I already knew I was going to fail. I already knew I was going to fail, and that was it. Because I always do it. I always sign up to a slimming group, always sign up to, sign up to the latest fad diet. I'd always do it, and I'd always fail. But then something inside me didn't stop this time so once I'd got my half a stone award in two weeks I was like oh, actually yeah I'm doing it then I got my stone in three weeks then like it just kept coming off and it just kept coming off I was like I'm doing it I'm doing it and that was like can't stop now I can't stop and I I entered this room of strangers literally strangers didn't know them I was so conscious because obviously they were, I felt they were judging me because I was big. I am still my I think my consultant's biggest female that she's had. 
so it, it was really difficult walking in a room where I felt people were judging me and I had to get on these scales and I remember standing on the scales thinking oh, I can't I can't look and I said to the woman I don't want to know how much I weigh I said you can't tell me because I think knowing how much I weighed I'd be it is give me a feeling of right I'm going to go home and eat everything that I needed to eat because I was horrified so I thought in my head I'd be about 22 23 stone but I wasn't it came up nearly 26 stone I was two pounds shy of that and then it wasn't until I got greatest loser in 2019 that it actually came up with my weight that so comes up with your weight right on yeah. and I was like that was March and I was like I couldn't believe it. I remember because I've just moved into this house that I'm in now and I was sitting by the bed and I just thought that's how much they saw on the scales like how much weight you carried around with you like and by this point I'd lost about four four and a half stone yeah by this point and I was just like I can't believe I was that big I was still 20 in my 20 stone but to see the number and that feel that feeling that I felt it made me more determined not to give up it really was I didn't when I went into the group I didn't set a target either because I always say like if you want to set a target that's totally fine we everybody's different but I didn't want to look at the bigger picture I just wanted to lose some weight first then set a target yeah. because I didn't want to set myself up to fail and because that's what I always used to do do you feel that if you knew if you walked through those doors that you would see your weight you know how would that have felt at the time do you think that if you would have seen the the weight on the scales that would have made you turn around and walk out I would have been disgusted I would have been so upset to see the weight that I saw on the scales and I don't know if I would have been able to sit at it because I'd, I'd say to myself because I, I used to do this when I used to weigh oh, it's all right as long as I'm not so-and-so weight by I'm 35 kind of thing or like I would guess at a weight like when I was in the 20s as long as I stay below 17 stone like kind of stuff like that but it never it never did you always just put on weight and it's because obviously binge eating and depression and stuff like that and just living life eating the wrong things but if I'd known what I weighed back in that hall at that time I think I probably would have gone, right, well, I'll just eat until I'm 26 stone. Make it around even number. You don't get what I mean? Yeah, but I'm yeah. Glad I didn't see it. I'm so glad that I didn't see it because also I didn't want to have the embarrassment. I knew I was big at this point. I didn't want the embarrassment of everyone else knowing as well because my friends that came with me, they didn't know how much I weighed. I'm a no. sister. Nobody did. Nobody both stand. It was only the lady that weighed me in or the consultant that knew how much you weighed so it is it, it, it would have probably spurred me to eat a bit more I definitely yeah. think that and when did you first notice changes in your physical self you know you spoke about struggling to get off the sofa having a birthday party on your sofa <laughs> exactly <laughs> like a little bit of toe tapping so when did you actually yeah. notice the changes where you actually thought that this is working and I'm feeling healthier. I know we, we talk a lot about the scales, but that, that talk of health, when did you notice a health change? Yeah, so basically the first physical change that I saw in myself was the Christmas party of 2018 that we had um, at work. 
And at this point, I'd met a guy that, you know, I started to date. I've lost three stone at this point. But I tried on a dress, and it was a black dress. I'm still big, but I, that's where I noticed the change. I was like, oh, my God, actually, you look all right. That was the physical looking at yourself change. Like, you've yeah. lost three stone. And then, obviously, I met this guy in the January. We started to date properly then. But he, my size has never bothered him at all. And we're still really good friends now. So, like, from there to there, my size didn't bother him. That's where I saw my physical look change. But then when I started inside is when, it does sound really weird, when I stopped pooing about six, seven times a day okay. and pooed once like a normal human being. And I think that was sort of like, it must have been March, April time. March, April, yeah, before I went to Disneyland Paris, it was then because I remember saying to my mum and dad, No, oh, what is the family to go to the toilet all the time? Yeah. They're like, You won't go to the toilet, your diet has changed because I'm not putting the rubbish in my body anymore. Yeah. I'm not putting coming straight out. So, you know, because obviously when you go to Disney, you want to be at the live, you want to be on the queues, you want to be seeing the characters, you don't want to be going to the toilet because you'd have to. <laughs> So when I when I noticed the health change inside me, yeah. So not getting out of breath, getting up the sofa, I can get up off the sofa. You know, I can run to the toilet if it's like my toilet is next to my bedroom now, but I could run to the toilet if I want to, or I, you know, I can run if I want to go out and run. I run. I walk everywhere. I don't get a taxi anymore. You know, it it has changed my life for the better. I'm so much more healthier then some of, we say this all the time, like if you lined up all our dancer friends or our work friends in a line and put us to do the bleach test, because obviously I was big, but my stamina's got better because obviously all the running and stuff I'm yeah. doing. I run my eight stone eight friends because wow. they're not as healthy as me anymore. I don't know they're like, but their stamina isn't as good as mine is because obviously all the exercise that I do now. I think Anna's just got this fantastic, infectious energy. And please go over to Instagram and follow Hannah on The Funny Mummy Does Slimming World. So I'm going to pop the link in the show notes and click on the link. Go and give her a follow and give her some words of encouragement. You know, she really does give a fantastic, honest account of her weight loss and fitness journey over on Instagram. And she's definitely one to follow. She really is just lovely and adorable. And she also does lives on there. So there's lots of content just to continue to be inspired by Anna's story. So you'll hear part two of Anna's Slimming Story next week on the podcast. And if you're new to Slimming Stories, please hit subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast. And that will really help me climb the podcast charts. Until next time, have a great week and take care. Thank you.